Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm Jahan Jones. It's your girl, Taryn Finley. And it's your boy, Shaquille Ron Blake. 2021 is rolling up on us like a thief in the middle of the night. And the theme of everyone's small, intimate New Year's Eve celebration seems to be fuck 2020, hello 2021. And honestly, I'm counting down the days till December's over, and so many of us are ready to be done with this year too. Before we say goodbye to what was supposed to be the year of perfect vision, ever clear vision, let's take a look back on the highs and the lows of 2020. Taryn, what you got for us? I'm burnt out. I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I'm burnt out because, you know, this year was a year of tremendous loss, no matter how you cut it. You know, we started out this year losing some greats in our community like Kobe, um, like Pop Smoke. And then, of course, COVID hit and we began to lose even more. We lost 300,000 people in counting. You know, we've lost so many and had had to bury so many of our greats from our community from John Lewis, David Dinkins, um Katherine mm. Johnson, so many others. We 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 just um in the past week had to say goodbye to Tiny Debo Lester and Natalie DeSalle Reed. Mm-hmm. And if this year hasn't taught you anything, it is truly how precious life is to and, and to not take it for granted. This is a historic time, and I think sometimes people, the gravity of it's lost on people because we're living it in real time. But like the conditions we're all experiencing now are going to be talked about for centuries. Mm -hmm. And the people lost during this period are like also going to be memorialized in a different way just because this is such a period of such tremendous loss. I really want to just send out, um, you know, my condolences and good energy. This are our condolences to anyone who's lost someone this year. Um, It's not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, You know, we're getting through this together. 300,000 lives have been lost due to COVID and we still have not had a day honoring all the victims who have died. And I think this virus has showed us how fragile life is and basically how what is here today may be gone tomorrow instantly. And we've seen this with so many Black lives this year. Right. And we've talked about COVID, but I think it's really important to talk about the lives lost to police brutality, social Mm -hmm. injustice. The movement toward racial justice definitely Mm -hmm. capitalized on the fact that we were all kind of forced to grapple with the reality of racism in America. And we saw that in so many different ways. Just the the Black Lives Matter movement exploded onto sports fields and into uh, political realms as well, you know. And what I will always remember about this year is... During a pandemic, Black people still had to hit the streets and advocate for their lives. Mm. During a time when to be outside could literally kill you, we still had to go outside and fight for the right to exist. And we will Mm. continue to do so. And I will never forget that about 2020. We all were forced, you know, of course, Black people, we, this isn't anything new to us. 
at all, but the world, literally the world was forced to to look at our pain. And mm. they took to the streets in a way that they never have before mm. for Black Lives Matter, you know? And of course you have in SARS in Nigeria, that, that wasn't a, a new movement. However, the fact that we literally had to sit still and we didn't have those distractions were a reason for the world to to look to Black Lives Matter and NSARS and globally say enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I right. just really pray that that energy goes into 2021 because unfortunately I see it dying down. As we continue to scream Black Lives Matter, I am forced to consistently scream all Black Lives Matter. And period. I could get so emotional saying this, but I feel like every single year on record is the deadliest year for transgender Black women. Every single year, the record just keeps getting higher. This year, according to the Human Rights Campaign, at least 37 trans and gender non-conforming people have been murdered. And that number is 37, but we don't know, right? Because sometimes when trans people are murdered, they're misgendered or they're not giving the appropriate funerals. People don't claim their bodies. So we do not know how high that number is, but that is the deadliest year on record. And that number just keeps increasing. So as we continue to say Black Lives Matter, we have to think about our trans sisters. We have to think about our queer brothers and sisters and everyone who does not fit into a heteronormative spectrum. You cannot honestly say Black Lives Matter and not include all black lives. Like you said, and time and time again, mm. I I see these names erased, the names of Tony McDade, the names of so many other of our trans brothers and sisters who lives matter. And not only do they have to go out there and fight literally some of the, and be among the most uh, marginalized. Mm. When, we, when we talk about the most unprotected, you know, black trans mm-hmm. women are going through it. They are dying in the street and they are our sisters. And it is up to all of us, all every single last one of us to stand up and fight for them. Amen, amen, amen. Mm -hmm. And in addition to dealing with the struggles of consistently seeing life being lost in our communities, we have to watch the shit show that is politics. Trump is a roller coaster ride and bigger than King the Cobb, bigger than anything a roller coaster ride I've ever experienced. From refusing to concede to the Electoral College finally saying, What we all know, Biden is indeed the winner. We've had to watch that. And that has impacted my mental health. I don't know how it's made you all feel just watching and being anxious about the election, what may happen, what may not happen. It's been tough on me. It feels as though it was ages ago, but we were worried about whether the mail was even going to arrive on time. Mm -hmm. That feels as though it was eons ago. Yeah. And voter suppression, of course, was rampant within Mm -hmm. this past um, election. But... I have to, have to, have to shout out all of the black organizers, all of the black women who Mm -hmm. showed up and did exactly what they always historically have done and made sure that, made sure that we got a racist out of the office, Mm -hmm. out out, out of the Oval Office and simultaneously made sure that we replaced him with, well, not him specifically, but we put a black woman for the first time, an Indian woman is in the VP seat in Kamala Harris. Like that is so big, it's, it's history making. So as as much stress and as much um, turmoil as we've been through within these past four years, and that's putting it lightly, I will say that I'm, I'm optimistic, I'm hopeful. Now this ain't gonna change everything. 
I I ain't naive, but I am hopeful. Well, I was going to say, yeah, of all the things that we'd like to leave in uh, 2020, the politics, I think we're very certain uh, (laughs) we will not be able to leave behind us. I mean, we've got burgeoning white supremacist movements and uh, people denying the results of the election. We know that that kind of a fervor is going to linger beyond 2020. So, yeah. We can't even speak about that as though it's in the it's in the past. It's still happening. Mm-hmm. There's a runoff that's going to take place in Georgia in f- January. That's going to really determine the the political outlook for the next four years. So I don't know. 2020 has just reminded me that the politics in America is, is ubiquitous. It's inescapable. Child, this past weekend, the, um, white supremacists were literally vandalizing a black church oh in the DMV. So. You know, this this is as old as history. Like, mm-hmm. this, this is literally as old as American history. And, you know, one thing I will say is the common thread of 2020 is we've never been more divided as a nation. But honestly, when have we been united as a nation historically? Of course, this is a very polarizing moment for us. But I think that as a nation, we have consistently been divided because of racism, because of capitalism, because of homophobia. And I could just keep on going. That's the function of all of them, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, one more topic that highlights political mess, and I can't lie, it brought me some joy because it was a joke, but oh, <laughs> at moments it made me... <laughs> Here we go. Say it. You've done at so well. <laughs> Kanye West running for president. Con- I mean, Donald Trump showed a reality TV stars that they could be president, so... One of the greatest rappers of all time wanted to show people that he can lead and that he has potential, but... And did he? Can you hear me sucking my teeth? It's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. But I do want to get into some um, rappers who actually, who I would possibly vote for for president. Um, (laughs) No, but seriously. No, but seriously. I want to get into some rappers who won 2020. And that is like 2020 was the year of the female rapper. You could Mm -hmm. not turn on your radio. You could not turn on your Spotify, iTunes go down your your um, social media timeline without seeing women winning in rap, period. Mm-hmm. Megan Thee Stallion and, and Cardi B gave us a cultural reset with WAP. Mm-hmm. City Girl, City on Lock was probably one of the albums that I ran back the most this year. Like, they, they did that. That was probably their best album. Flo Millie, Rico Nasty. Nicki Minaj got her first number one with Doja Cat Say So. Like, I could go on and on. Big Lotto, Chica, Baby Mother, Saweetie. Like, yeah. you, no you name. could you not... Shout out no no name. name. No, no name. name. Shout out no name. Cupcake. No, exactly. And yeah. you literally could not escape women in rap. And it is just so... Um, it's amazing to me. Um, because I don't think I've seen, I don't think any of us has, have seen this many women really dominating the charts and mm-hmm. making their voices heard in, in such a diverse and, in talented way. I'm yeah. like, damn, yeah. like this, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. So many, like you said, doing it in their own way. No name, respect to her, uh, Flo mm-hmm. Millie. I love Flo Millie. Rico Nasty. Flo Millie, she. 
we've seen the unification of the female rapper, right? They made hits together. And together, so times, yes. Together, right? And so many times they were told that women cannot top the charts. But City Girls made music with Meg. Meg made songs with Cardi. Cardi made songs with, of course, the City Girls. Um, The City Girls said they want to work with Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj worked with Doja Cat. And it's just so beautiful to see them all winning, like Taryn said. Jahan and Shakira, I'm wondering, who were your 2020 faves that really delivered to you this pandemic? I live in Canarsie, Brooklyn, so I definitely have to go with Pop Smoke. Um, Pop Smoke is a hometown hero, and for so many, when people think about Brooklyn and rap, they often Baby, go to Best <laughs> Yes, but the floss, he put the floss on the map, and he had range, you know what I mean? This man mm-hmm. would have went so far in his career yeah. if it was not for the tragedy that happened, unfortunately, but... I'm sorry, I also have to go with Meg Thee Stallion. This was Meg's year for sure. Period. Meg dominated with Savage. Um, to her new album, Body Yada 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 Yada. That's my gym song. When I'm on the treadmill, that's what I'm moving to. I'm like, it's such a good I'm workout sh- song, right? <laughs> yes! I shake to it and everything. So we gotta go with that. And K Tronada, like He's nominated for Best New Artist this year. And his album, Bubba, came out in 2019, but he's finally getting his roses. And he's just amazing. I feel like he defies genres. And I just love that a Black queer man from IT is winning. Shout out. For me, aside from all the women, I love Lil Baby's album. Lil Baby has had a hell of a year. Thundercat found a really special place in my heart this year, and I'm just really excited to hear all of the slate of new music that we hear in 2021 as well. Yeah, Thundercat's dope. He be rapping about or singing about video games. He's so weird. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, who's your who's your artist? I've been all over the map. Taryn and Shaquille will tell you that. I be listening to a lot of stuff, y'all. Um, <laughs> he be listening to Future all day. <laughs> I had some Future tracks on my, my Spotify year in there for sure. <laughs> Um, I love Griselda, um, you know, so that's, uh, Conway the Machine and Benny the Butcher, uh, West Side Gun. They have, like, some really gritty New York sounding music that I've been listening to as I walk, walk the streets of Harlem, you know, but I've been in, in my, in my soul bag as well, listening to some Luther every so often. Ooh, okay. never, never too, too much, much, never okay? too much. Never. Been playing that that game on IG where I have people guess old school samples and stuff. So I've been in my my soul old school R and B bag, uh, listening to Silk. You know, meeting in my bedroom. Okay, keeping it grown and sexy. You know, every so often I've been trying to touch all bases. Little Teddy Penda in there. Yeah, in there for sure. You know. You know how I do. I mean, we're talking about music, so we have to talk about one magical thing that came out of 2020, and that is versus battles, right? Hey. The beautiful thing about Black people, we make lemonade. We couldn't take our ass to the concerts, so Swiss Beats and Timbaland brought the concerts to us. And I just love versus so much. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Ashanti and Keisha Cole, we didn't get that one. <laughs> but we'll January get it. 9th, we'll get it. We'll allegedly. get it. <laughs> I'm, I'm 2021. I'll be I'll be ready for that. I'm running into 2021 for that. But Tara, what was your favorite battle? Oh my God, Erica Badu and Jill Scott hands down was one of my favorite Is versus battles. Not only because yeah, not only because you know it just it just spoke to your soul like it it, it really just did something to you. And I think it was one of the first. Um, I believe it was the first uh, uh, um, female versus battle actually. Um, so like, of course that fact, but also it was throwback versus where it was two people 
with two iPhones, trying to get it together <laughs> with uh, with technical difficulties and everything. So it felt very like, as long as this year has been, it felt very classic versus. The funniest thing about that is the one versus where everything was together except for police knocking on the door was the Jamaican versus. What? <laughs> but Bounty Killer versus Beanie Man had to be my favorite. And Billboard played them by leaving them off of the cover. That was not, that was, that they shaded them. Yeah. But it was iconic because if you knew the legacy of those two artists, it goes way back. You know, they were fighting over a woman at one point. They, in 1993, they went on stage in Jamaica and there's something called a clash. And clashes are like, Hot 97 or a power jam, but it gets dangerous. People fight, you know, it gets okay. people throw glass bottles on the stages. Okay. So to see these two artists come out and do their thing and for us to make memes about Beanie Man and his dance moves and his little belly, it was just iconic for me and a moment in Jamaican history. Big up. Mm, mm, that was a good one. That was a good one. Y'all know <laughs> I, I got I got some uh some hood allegiances when it comes to my music taste. So I love the Gucci and Jeezy one. That was Burr. definitely that was definitely my favorite. It was one I uh, that featured the most songs that I kind of grew up listening to. I absolutely had my Jeezy bandana on when I was watching it. But you know, I, I respect I the Jeezy, some, but Gucci won. It was it was a good season of verses, good inaugural season. But the Gucci. What and was Jeezy the um that quote, Jahan? Look at look at my competitor. What did um Gucci oh, say? Oh, look at my opponent. <laughs> look at my opponent. What did he say? I got a ten thousand dollar outfit on. Look at my opponent. Who would have known that in 2020 we would have been calling Gucci Mane fine? <sighs> 2006, Taryn definitely did not see that they coming. Were shoot, but did they were doing that, that in, coming. in 2018 and 2019, too. He's been on a good run. We have to talk about the woman who's always on a good run, and that's Beyonce. Ooh. I mean, she wins every single damn year from Black, um, Blackest King to Peloton. Blackest King, I just, it was just a, such a special moment for us all. Mm -hmm. I love what you said about it, Taryn. Basically, how it was a reintroduction to the continent. I will never forget you saying that mm -hmm. because that's exactly what it was for, I think, all of us. Every time I watch it, I just, I, I get those same chills, especially when Brown Skin Girl comes on. You know, it's just such an amazing reflection of Blackness, of specifically the Blackness that we all come from of the continent Africa and and it came out just beautifully flawlessly. Yeah, Beyonce be giving you timeless work. Also, let's you know? talk about how she dropped Black Parade on Juneteenth. Um and Ju this Juneteenth that was especially relevant and and special because I think this was the Juneteenth where everybody like all black people collectively were like, "Okay, let's go ahead like we always knew like fuck July 4th that was not that is not a holiday for us yeah. but we knew that Ju that Juneteenth was our day felt even more special because it felt like a reprieve it felt like black joy was encapsulated in this one day and we were able to breathe and and finally after a long time of mourning and and collectively just just being in pain just like hu hug each other for the first mm -hmm. time I agree with you. I'm really, really happy. I feel like Juneteenth now has become a recognized thing amongst all Black people. We know that that's the day that we're emancipated. That's our 4th of July, no other day. Yeah, this was the year we all went out. We must have decided at the annual Black people meeting with every Black person across <laughs> the, throughout the universe that we were going to take this year to, to really do it. And we did. We even forced white people to acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to the next secret meeting where we 
find out that we get superpowers on December 21st. Yeah, I was going to say, we got to get on that. <laughs> you know, you know. I'm, I'm hyped for that. <laughs> but I, I really want to talk about um, what's going on um, in TV land. There are so many um, shows, and speaking of superpowers, one show that I watched um, and loved was Lovecraft. It it really was this special, just like sci-fi look into into blackness and and into you know um, this kind of civil rights era, and it it was it was a, a spin on what I had known or what I had seen those kind of period pieces to be, and also what I I knew black sci-fi to be. It, it was definitely a treat. What were y'all watching mm-hmm. this year? I have to thank y'all because I don't know if y'all know this about me. I'm not like the biggest TV watcher, but y'all put me on to P Valley. Hey, and- down in the <laughs> valley where the girls get naked. You know that's and- my show. <laughs> yes. And I just think the show is so iconic. There's so many reasons. We got a little murder. We got Uncle Clifford, who is a queer mother, uncle, father to all the strippers in the house. And I just think the show, the writing, everything about the show is so beautiful. The cinematography, the music, how real it feels. It's just iconic for me. Who are you watching, Jahan? Good choices all around. You know, I was watching Lovecraft and P-Valley with y'all, but you know I gotta mention Supermarket Sweep. (laughs) (laughs) You know I gotta mention Supermarket Sweep. The return of Supermarket Sweep. Shout out to Leslie Jones. You know, I know it's hard to, to follow after after the great original host, but she out here doing her job, doing her thing and <laughs> and, and repping. Supermarket Sweep, the return came back 2020 uh, at a time when the world was in disarray. Yeah. Leslie Jones and uh, them shopping carts came to the rescue. Yeah. That's what, what I've been of- on every Sunday. <laughs> there was a lot of good black TV on, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated this year. I definitely use it as, you know, a little form of escapism. We had I May Destroy You. Shout out to Michaela Coel, yeah. of yeah, course, season four of Insecure holding us down um, with Lawrence finna have a baby out here. Um, <laughs> of course, mm. we exactly, exactly. Mm. And then, mm. you know, we also have this whole slate of UPN throwback black classic sitcoms that came to, to Netflix right, Mo- right. with Moesha, Girlfriends, My Fave, uh, The Game, Parkers. I also was watching Living Single on Hulu. Um, like, that is just like a classic rewatch. So, if y'all ever are looking at that, but Let's also talk a little bit about some reality TV because <laughs> I've been watching Real Housewives of Potomac and Chow. Put us on too. I want Shaquille to put us on. <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I never watched the show until I saw the fight between Candace and Monique and Monique spanked her. And I never never advocate for women fighting, anybody fighting, but if you watch the show, which I have done since seeing the fight all five seasons, Candace is annoying as hell. And the show was just such a good show. Sorry, House of Atlanta. I love love the Atlanta franchise, but seeing that fight really sparked my interest in the whole show. It's a show for shade, wigs. You got every single thing. The Molly Wap heard around the world. (laughs) Molly Wap is an underused word. It really is. It's it's been a, a thriving year for uh, reality television. You had uh, New York's show came back, right? Yeah. She had a show. She had a reunion. She had a reunion. Yeah, episode. she had a reunion. Got you. Right, she had a right. reunion. 
uh, Chance and them got a show on right? Zeus Network. On Zeus, Zeus Network, Zeus Network uh, trying to come for, uh, for VH1's neck. Right, Cheaters is back. Cheater, what's your, your boy? Uh, I don't know why that's my boy. Don't put that Cheetah on. Cheetah guns. Um, what else? Oh, uh, there's a Black Bachelor, which you know some people could consider that a victory. Mm. Flavor Flav is the first black bachelor. <laughs> y'all got bachelor. quiet. Why y'all get quiet? Let's talk about it. Bachelor. Flavor Flav is the first black, black <laughs> yeah. bachelor. And we're not going to... And uh, yeah. Tiffany Pollard is the first black bachelor. bachelor we're not going to sit up here and uh, do revisionist history. Gotcha. <laughs> I mean, but on the topic of cheaters, we got to talk about the cheating scandal heard around the world. Ooh. Entanglement. Let's talk about an entanglement, okay? <laughs> we sat there and we watched Jada uh, sit across from that red table with Will... And I, I was just really, I was just really blown away um, that <laughs> this whole ordeal with, or this whole entanglement. I, let me use uh, Jada's words. Yeah, this yeah, whole yeah, entanglement yeah. with yeah, August Alcina came to light because you know we heard about rumors in the past about them having something, but we really didn't know what. Um, and so for this to happen, like literally everybody watched. But I want to get to probably the most cringeworthy part of the interview. Take a listen. We ride together. We, we die, die together. together. Bad, Bad marriage, marriage for life. life. <laughs> <laughs> I'ma just, I'ma just hope for the best for that family. They got all the money and all the therapy and, and it looks like all of the communication they need. So, you know, thank you for the entertainment is what I'ma say. I've held on to social media with my dear arms like for life this year. And I'm trying to kind of let it go. But one thing that I'll for sure be holding on to is yoga. It's a practice that saved my life. I found the Black yogi community, and it's been really, really refreshing for me and helpful. What saved mm -hmm. you all? What was that thing that you all held on to for dear life? My meditation practice in tandem with therapy um, has been something that has been such a powerful tool that has gotten me through a lot of isolation, a lot of um, ups and downs. A, a lot of anxiety and depression this year, to be quite frank. And I'm, I'm really thankful um, that I've had these tools and honestly, my community, uh, like my support system to, um, you know, outside of like, you know, my therapist. What about you, Jahan? For me, my source of self-care throughout this year has definitely been music yeah, i knew it <laughs> i'd committed myself around this time last year to just doing more things in the real world you know that bring me joy and like having a uh, physical piano keys under my fingers or having physical drum pads beneath my hands it's just been like an awesome connection to the real world i can feel the sounds i'm making you know and that's just been such a great reminder and it's done wonders for my mind just to attach myself to this thing in the real world that I can feel and the angles I can feel and the the sensitivity of the drum pads and the keys I can feel. It's just tethered me to, to reality. So I've been immersing myself in sounds I've been making, but also just music generally. And you're really good at it. You're really good at that. it. I appreciate that. We have fun. We yeah, all have fun. Yeah. I think that's just a testament of like, you know, regardless of where you are and how um how left field this pandemic and this year have thrown us you know can't nothing stop you from getting to where you're going you know yeah. Yeah. whatever whatever is thrown in your path i feel like as long as you are aligned and doing what you need to do you're gonna take a detour and you're gonna get there
And that's that. That's a word. Amen. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, but when we return, we speak affirmations with author and self-care advocate, Alex L., and learn what's worth leaving behind in 2020. And that's that. Stay with us, y'all. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ooh, y'all. Y'all know this year has felt like a never-ending storm, so we brought on someone who seems to always know just what to say to ease our anxieties and feed our souls. She uses her personal wellness journey to help guide her followers on social media on their own path of healing and self-fulfillment through affirmations, journaling, meditation, and so much more. Host of Hey Girl podcast and author of After the Rain, please welcome to our show, Alex Ella, she steps up to the mic. Hey, girl. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey. Hey, it's so good to be here with y'all. Yeah, we're we're so happy to have you. And Alex, I must say that I've I found you on Instagram like so many other folks. This was a few years ago. Um, I was at like in a really dark time, and one of my friends shared um, one of your affirmations that you know usually go viral. And I'm like, well, damn, like that was what I needed exactly at the time that I needed. Um, I want to talk to you about how you got into this work of sharing your healing practices and affirmations with the world. You touch on it a bit in your book, but what led you on this journey and what keeps you here? Mm. Well, first of all, thank you. I'm glad that the work is resonating with you and the other folks in the community. But to, to be completely honest, you know, sharing pieces of my healing has not only allowed other people to lean into their stories, but it shows folks that they're not alone in their struggle. And that is the gift of storytelling. That is the gift of opening up and being vulnerable in our life's work. It doesn't have to be on a large platform or in a book. It can be with your family. It can be with your um, community, your loved ones. So I think being able to um, give folks that permission just because I'm giving myself permission to do that has been the most rewarding part of this work. And the the reason why I stay in this work is because there's so much healing to be done, especially as a Black woman um, in the Black community, being vulnerable with our pain and also being open about our joy is so, so important, especially during such a grief-stricken year. And to know that we are all collectively grieving, there's something powerful about also collectively healing and giving ourselves that permission to show up and be bold in that healing so that we can hand it down, so that we can continue disrupting generational trauma and cycles that we want to break 
So that is why I do what I do and why I continue to do what I do. And I'm also a mother of three daughters. So it's really important that I'm moving through the world as a mirror for them. So, um, yeah. I hope I answered your yeah, question. Yeah, you did. You did. It's such a soothing voice. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> it's like music. <laughs> you sure you don't sing? <laughs> I wish I could sing. I wish. <laughs> when you said all of that, the first thing that comes to my mind is how do you stay rooted in that work? Because healing is not always mm-hmm. sexy. It's not always fun. It can be challenging. And I think that's why so many of us avoid work because of the fact that it's mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of work. So how do you stay mm-hmm. rooted in all of this? Especially to do it so publicly. <laughs> Mm, that's that's a good question. Um, I don't really have a choice but to stay rooted in this work because I was broken for so long and choosing to heal myself was the only option. And it's really easy to quit and give up on ourselves, right? I think society may even expect that of us as human beings. And if we want to peel back the layer even more as Black people, but when we're able to rise up and be flexible with our healing and be resilient in this new way, that is how we stand in our power. And that is how we reclaim our power and reclaim ourselves. So when you ask like, how do I stay rooted in this? It is, I have no choice because I know I don't want to go back to how I felt before, Mm -hmm. how I was before. Um, Healing is never pretty. I'm going to say that (laughs) loud and clear for everyone to hear because so many folks are selling this dream of like this whimsical healing work, Mm -hmm. barefoot on the ground, you know, granola type of stuff. And that's not what my experience has been. It has been hard. It has been blood, sweat, and tears. And it has shown me that I am stronger than I thought I was. And I'm okay with that. And also I'm allowing myself space for emotional rest as well, because if you're healing all day, every day, how do you take a break, right? So it's like making this balance of staying connected to myself and to my healing, but also giving myself that permission to take a step back when I'm having really hard days. And there have been a lot of really hard days this year. Um, I'm home with my family of five. I am working from home. I am teaching. I'm doing all these different things and like still trying to figure out, okay, how do I take care of myself, even if it's just for five minutes. So it's these stretching experiences that really teach us how to lean in and get curious versus running away from the challenging things that come to us as we're healing. Wow. My favorite chapters in your book, you talked about comparison. And if I'm being honest, that's something I've struggled with, especially in the age of social media, seeing someone's job, seeing someone's boo thing. If you don't have one, I mean, it's a range of things Mm -hmm. that you can compare. How do you, what advice can you give to people who are basically struggling with comparing themselves to people on a digital landscape? Oh my goodness. That's so funny because (laughs) I literally had a conversation with my agent and editor yesterday and last week, and I was comparing myself in this new book to other people's Mm. work. I'm like, yo, I need to be on the New York Times bestsellers list. I need to be this. I need to be that. I see this person doing it. I was having a moment and I'm sharing this to say, like, we all go through it, myself included. Right. And on a digital landscape, I'm seeing other artists, I'm seeing other authors do this and do that. And I'm like, not being grateful at all for what I have, because I'm so caught up in this story in my mind that, okay, well, this work must not be good enough when no, the work is good enough. And living on purpose and in my purpose is good enough. So it doesn't matter what book lands on the list or not, 
is your story resonating with folks and is your story bringing people closer to their stories? And that's what I had to remind myself of. So I'm using that personal experience because so many people think that folks, you know, who they look to as enlightened and and have arrived don't have these challenges. Well, number one, I'm not that enlightened. And number two, I have not arrived because I'm a student of life, right? Mm. So with that being the case, I'm able to lean into my humanness and be like, yo, I'm having a crappy day right now. I'm, I'm in my feelings about my work right now. Who can I lean on to support me? And that's what's really been helping me through not only comparison, but in life, like knowing that we need our communities and we need people who are going to hold space for us when we are having off days, when we are not showing up as our best, highest self, because that is going to happen. So at the end of the day, comparison is reflecting back to us maybe what we feel like we're lacking and we have not greeted that yet with curiosity of, well, why do I feel this way? Where is this coming from? Um, and that's what I do now when I have those feelings of comparison and I talk to my husband and I talk to my agent and the people in my community who support me and I'm able to have them mirror back what the truth is because sometimes we need to be reminded of what our truth mm -hmm. is and to in order for us to stay focused. I think 2020 has been a big lesson in that for a lot of us because our relationship with what we call home and the people that we call home has changed so drastically. You know, a lot of us are working from home, quarantining, sheltering in place, et cetera. How do we reset and, and take inventory of what we need in order to take care of ourselves right now in this time, especially as we head into another potential lockdown in, in a lot mm. of places? Mm. I think being really clear on naming what those needs are. Um, and that's something that I'm continuously working on doing because I'm easy to just be like, okay, I got it. I can do that. I'll take care of it. And a lot of times this year I've caught myself like being like, I literally can't do this. I cannot do it all. And I don't have to. I can put that baggage down and let people support me and allow people to show up for me when I name what I need. And I think that that's really sacred and it's an act of self-care as community care and that we need to be thinking more about our self-care practice as this communal act of coming together and leaning in and trying to see um, what our neighbor needs, what we need and how we can show up together as a unit, especially when we're having these super highly emotional um, days, mm -hmm. you know, be it parents or not, spouses or not, you know, people are losing their jobs, people are dying first and foremost. And it's like, how are we able to show up in our life in a way that is intentional so that we can live fully and also be mindful that tomorrow is not promised to anyone. And if this year hasn't shown us that, I don't know what will. Um, so just getting clear on naming our needs and allowing people to show up when we name those needs. I think that is very, very pivotal to our growth together. I like that you talked about kind of coming together and like the importance of community, but something that I see that happens a lot is this struggle, right? To kind of have it all or to balance it all. So let's say you have mm. the perfect romantic relationship, you have relationships with your children, you have the most important relationship, the relationship with yourself. But how do you find a healthy way to like balance it all, to show up for everyone in a way that is healthy, but to most importantly still show up for yourself? Well, I think the showing up for yourself part has to be the primary relationship that you're leaning into. And I look at that 
from a lens of a mother because if mama isn't well, nobody is well, mm. you know? So like, I don't want to see the struggle that I saw that I saw my black mama go through and my black grandma go through of showing up empty and still thinking that they could, you know, be their best self and they they weren't, you know? So for me being able to take care of myself and I'm not talking about a bubble bath, I'm not talking about a manicure or buying that latte or that those jeans I've been eyeing. I'm talking about how do I feel in my body? Am I drinking enough water? Did I eat today? Am I deep breathing? Am I telling my husband, hey, I need five minutes to just recollect, you know, myself? <laughs> and how do I do that um, when it feels like there's not enough time in the day? And it doesn't have to always be this, you know, challenging thing that we're moving through, but more so penciling ourselves in. So I have to, I've had to do that. I've had to set an alarm to remind myself to take deep breaths. I have an app that I use called Insight Timer. It is free. They have three-minute meditations, five-minute meditations that just bring me back to center, especially it can get loud in here. I have a 13-year-old, almost three-year-old, and a one-year-old, and it is turned in here. So sometimes we just need, you know, a minute, all of us, to recenter. It's important that we are leaning into these accessible practices that we're not only doing for ourselves, but we're exhibiting for other people. So even if you're not a caretaker, you could be giving your friends permission to like log off from work during lunch break, take a nap, you know, wash your face intentionally, drink your water, you know, stay on top of those things. And I know that that sounds so basic, but it's coming back to the basics that allows us to realign with ourselves. Hmm. I'm glad that you brought up your family and I know you talk about them extensively through your work, but also through this book, um, you talk about your relationship, your tumultuous relationship with your mother. I'm wondering, as a parent, how has your relationship with motherhood uh, changed? And what's the biggest lesson that your children have taught you about healing and growing? Mm. So my biggest lesson from motherhood is that I am not only mothering my children. I am also reparenting and mothering myself. Mm. And that is really important to me because I did have a tumultuous relationship with my mother. We are on the mend and we are learning how to engage with each other as women with their own individual identities and not just mother and daughter. So I want my motherhood to teach my daughters that one, I am human and that two, they are human and individuals. And with that, I hope that they're able to move through the world in a way that allows them to see people through a lens of compassion and understanding and also acceptance for who they are. And that's what I've been learning to do with my mother is accepting her for who she is and allowing her to show up differently and mm -hmm. allowing her actions to speak for her. Um, we had a really beautiful healing conversation when I turned 31 this year. And um, she apologized to me for the first time wow. um, and said that I am sorry for not being able to show up for you. I'm sorry for not being able to love you. I was so filled with rage and trying to, you know, get my life together that I just didn't have the space. And that wasn't mm -hmm. an excuse. It was literally honesty. And I, And as a mother now, I can look at her and hold space for her not knowing what the hell she was doing and not knowing how to show up in a way that would be supportive for me. Did I deserve that? 
No, but we are here now. And how do we move forward with being here now? And that all goes back to my inner child work that I'm doing, to mothering myself as I mother these three black girls, and to forgive not only myself, but my mother. And that is that is really liberating to be able to look at someone who you've had such a tumultuous history with and also be able to extend grace to them and her to extend grace to me because I wasn't always the best as a teenager, you know, as a young adult. It was mm-hmm. it was a challenging relationship through and through for many reasons. Um, but being able to see that I am now a woman and she is a woman, that we are able to relate to each other as women figuring it out. Mm. It sounds like you all found a healthy way to do the work to move forward or to at least start moving forward. And what I love about your book is you talk about manifestation. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with love. And I love that you're writing a book that before you found your husband, you were writing letters to who you believed would be your future husband in your mind saying, you know, this is what I want. This is what I want to happen. There's so many single folks out there in a pandemic, but they still want love. What is one thing people can do to manifest the romantic love that they want going into the new year? Mm. So people may not like this response, but I'm going to say it. I'm nervous. <laughs> Work for it while you wait for it. That is literally my mantra. And that is wow. my mantra because um, we all deserve love. And love has to start at, at home. And when I say at home, I mean within us. And... Folks do not always agree when I say that loving yourself allows other people to love you and allows you to love other people. But I truly, truly believe that. And I believe that because when we're able to love ourselves authentically, even through our mess, then we're able to also extend that same grace to other people in a way that is full, in a way that is complementary. So many people think that love, external love is this thing that's going to complete you. I thought that for years, hence why some of my past is the way that it is. But when I decided that I was going to validate myself and I was going to love myself, and this is not to say that humans aren't communal uh, social beings because we are, and we need validation from others. We enjoy that. That is how we build community sometimes, right? But we also have to love ourselves and validate ourselves. And with that being the affirmation, work for it while you wait for it, keep working on yourself. I cannot say that enough. I have literally been there. I've been with my husband for, we've been together eight years, married for four, and I am still working on myself. Mm -hmm. Just because he arrived in my life does not mean (laughs) everything is golden, right? (laughs) And it's like, how do we continue to love ourselves and be on this journey of individuality while in partnership, which is another thing. Your life is going to change when your partner (laughs) comes into play. But the goal is not to have them complete you, but instead to have them complement your life. Two whole people coming together is abundance. Mm. And that is so, so special and sacred. And people, I would say that to anybody listening is just work for it while you wait for it. Keep working on yourself Mm. while you wait for your blessings to arrive at your door because they're coming. They're not going to miss you. Yeah. Recently, you've been sharing on Instagram what you're leaving behind 
in 2020. And honestly, like, mm-hmm. I, it's we just need to leave 2020 behind, period. <laughs> in that respect, what are some of the things that you're holding on to or reaching for as we go into 2020? Mm, I am reaching for more vulnerability. Mm. I am reaching for more self-belief. Um, I am keeping in my emotional suitcase courage and um, I am keeping with me community. I am also carrying with me into 2021 new ways to evolve into my best self. Um, I'm a big believer that until the day we die, we need to be learning and we need to be expanding. Um, And if we're not, then we're doing ourselves a disservice. Any guru will tell you, which I am not a guru, but any guru will tell you that you do not arrive anywhere ever. It is always a journey and a destination. It is always something more to be learned. And I really hold that close, especially these days as We've had to make so many different shifts in our self-care practices, in our home life, in our work life. It is, what is this thing teaching me? What can I learn from this thing? So um, I guess I'm carrying more curiosity as well with me. Mm. So Alex, with so many of us being on this journey, what is one thing you can offer us all to go into the new year with a healthy mindset or to change our mindset for the better? Another great question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So instead of going into 2020, like new year, new me, um, (laughs) I would encourage people to lean into new year, better me or new year, Mm. better you. Um, because the goal is to continue to evolve and get better and to continue to expand. And we're only able to do that when we allow ourselves to um, continue this journey of learning and being open. I mean, this year knocked folks down, mm-hmm. um, knocked us all down. Like we, we have all struggled together. It's really important for us to understand that we're never going to like forget this and things are not necessarily going to go back to normal ever. So it's like, how do we adapt and how do we continue to keep working on ourselves um, through this collective grief and healing that we're going through? And I think that that really just stems from being our best self when we can, (laughs) as we can, cutting ourselves some slack when we drop the ball and when we fail and when we're not doing what we say we're going to do in our self-care practice, because that also is a thing. Um, and just making space for curiosity in our lives and how we can grow through things and learn through things. That's what I'm taking with me. And that's what I would tell everybody else to kind of lean into and explore on their own and how that would work in their lives, because we can find so much when we stop and listen to ourselves and also decide that the things that knock us down don't have to break us open. Mm. Not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot for a second, would you lead us in a small meditative exercise to close us and our listeners? Oh, wow. (laughs) Is this what we're doing? Okay, okay, okay. Something small. Okay. An affirmation, a word, you drop gems. So just give us one verse. Yeah, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read a section from 
Lesson 15 and After the Rain called Forgiveness, A Note to Self. And I'm gonna read that as our meditation, a piece of that as our meditation. Is that okay? Yes, that is perfect. Okay, all right. So for everyone at home listening, if you could just ground down for a second, close your eyes, or if you'd rather not, you can walk around and this can be a moving meditation for you. Just make sure you're actively listening. Be in tune with your breathing right now. Pay attention to how you're feeling in your body. Take a deep breath in with me for three. And exhale for three. Transformation comes in waves. Deep down, you know that you are a work of art, abstract, filled with meaning and discovery. You've made time to mend what was broken and tend to what's been hurting. You are allowed to let your guard down and become friends with forgiveness. You are braver than you think, softer than you know, and more resilient than you let yourself see. Be proud of yourself for trying every day like you do. Before you open your eyes, just let those words sink in, carry them with you. You are braver than you think. Lean into that, believe that, and hold it close. Let's take a deep breath in together again for three through the nose. And exhale for three. Okay, thank you. Wow. Alex L, everyone, thank you so much for joining us <laughs> and for providing that um, very grounding and affirming mm -hmm. meditation at the end. We really appreciate it. I almost forgot you. we were recording. <laughs> <laughs> you are so welcome. Thank y'all. Woo! And that's that for this year. Woo, get me the hell out of here. Thanks again <laughs> to our guest, Alex L., for all the gentle reminders and notes to self. Our show is produced and edited by Izzy. Where the money reside? Where the money reside? Where the money reside? And that's on who Mary had a little lamb that's okay. Nick Offenberg, Sarah Patterson, and my girl, the Becca D. Gregorio. I'm Jahan Jones. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jahan. I'm Taryn Finley. You can find me at underscore tearing it up. And I'm your boy Shaquille Romblay. You can follow me at Romblay everywhere. I'm gonna miss these guys. Yes, we'll be back here next year. Next year, yo. Until then, you know what to do. Keep it. Juicy. Juicy. <laughs> happy holidays and happy new year. We'll miss you. No doubt. You better miss us. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.